Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And today we're going to talk about something very fascinating. Uh, There's an unusual connection between two things that you would think that they're never connected, but yet they are. And because of this, we're going to touch in the area of very powerful spiritual dynamics. And I believe that today's message will be an empowering word to you. Now, let's pray as we go into our study today. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring the illumination that we need concerning your word so that we can understand it in a very applicable way so we can take it and apply it to our lives. We thank you, Father, for your mighty anointing on the rhema word because this is what we live by. We thank you for our spiritual food. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise God. Let's start with the verse that we're all familiar with, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18, two verses here. But I want to pull out something that we haven't looked at before. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Now, we want to focus on the word wealth a little bit today and its root meaning in Hebrew that brings out a lot of revelation concerning our walk with God today. So here we have the the mention of the word wealth, verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which you swore to your fathers as it is this day. So many times we've already covered the basics Uh, God would not give you the power to get something that would be illegal, immoral, or basically opposed to his holy commandments. So wealth is a good thing. Wealth originates from God. Every idea of God is good. (laughs) And, And of course, when we get to heaven, it is a place of opulence. It is a place of wealth beyond the mental ability to comprehend because there's no sin in heaven. So there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no lack, there's no insufficiency, and very importantly, there's no sin, there's no devil, there's no demons. So uh, the full creativity of God and the full creativity of his people are expressed in heaven in uh, ways of beauty and glory, even as angels are able to build mansions and uh, they don't use the types of tools that we have here on the earth. They're not limited by a hammer or a, uh, you know, electronic nail gun. They have uh, means and measures and ways to build things that would seem to defy description. Praise the Lord. We see golf courses and beautiful things on the earth. All of those are a parallel reflection of heavenly realities, but in heaven, of course, it's uh, on a much much higher level of beauty and splendor. So God gives the power to get wealth. And the word wealth is very fascinating. We're going to dig into it in just a moment because I want you to see a very unusual connection with it. But uh, as we see here, the mention of wealth, 
Let us go over now, just briefly, to Isaiah chapter 60. Another chapter with uh, similar verses that we have looked at in detail before. But today I want us to go directly to verse 5. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. Well, I'm sure that would make your heart swell with joy, and particularly the latter part of the verse, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. So, according to the Apostle Paul, there are only three, not two, not four or five. There are only three categories of humanity upon the earth. The Jew, the church, and what we could call the Gentile. Now, Gentiles are also referred to in Scripture as the nations of the earth. But those are the nations that don't know God. So there's only three categories of humanity. You have the Jew, the Jewish people, and you have the church. That's, that's me, and that's many of you, of course, that are watching, and the, the uh, Gentiles, the nations of the world that don't know God. That's it. There's not four categories. There's not seven or ten, just three. And somewhere you're in that category. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And you also could be Jewish and in the church, too. So we definitely want to see the Jewish people saved because... For so long, they have been the stewards of the Word of God. We would not have the Word of God if it were not for them. Uh, you know, every book of the Bible is written by a Jewish male author. Uh, all 12 apostles were Jewish. The Messiah, the Savior of the Jewish people, and the Savior of the world, of course, is uh, Jewish Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Praise the Lord. So, my friends, we see that the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Now, uh, Isaiah 60, if we look at it strictly from the literal translation, or not, not translation, interpretation, this is applicable to Israel. This is the restoration of Israel and the restoration of, uh, more technically, really Jerusalem. But we know it's for overall Israel. But while there is the the basic interpretation, we see so much symbolism also for the church, because when you come into the, into Christ, you come into his church, and the church, because the church is in him, is now tied into the blessing of Abraham. And so there's parallel blessings that run with natural Israel and also the church as well. And you see it over and over throughout history. Anytime there's something going on major with Israel, there's something going on also in the church. In 1948, Israel was restored as a nation. Well, in 1948, you had the major healing revival that broke out in America, and the effects of that went throughout the earth. And then you see other things, other parallels. In 1967 in Israel, you had the, uh, the war that broke out, but then you had also simultaneously over in America, particularly, and it swept throughout the earth, you had the charismatic uh, revival. And uh, that swept into uh, mainline denominations uh, all over the world and even swept into the Catholic Church. You had, you had Catholic priests and bishops and cardinals in, in the Vatican getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And even John Paul, uh, Pope John Paul, it was said that he spoke in tongues on a regular basis. And uh, now it doesn't take a full-blown revival to bring that because you had many uh, really in different de denominations that had that 
uh, blessing of being filled with the Spirit. In the Catholic world, we would call it charismatic Catholics. And, but, you know, they were, uh, I've met some in Church of Christ before. I've met those in Baptist, in the Baptist circles. They would call themselves a Baptocostal. But you have to realize that before the charismatic revival broke out, it would be very, very rare to find those that spoke in tongues in denominations outside of those that would be styled Pentecostal or Spirit-filled. But, my friends, the glory of God is moving. God is going to do uh, amazing things of fulfilling prophecies that relate to Israel, and God is going to do amazing things uh, relating to prophecies concerning the end-time church. And the wealth of the Gentiles is coming to the people of God. It's coming to the nation of Israel, and we see the tremendous blessing of Israel with uh, technology uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's high tech, and it's also the startup capital of the world, uh, Israel is. And so uh, the wealth of the Gentiles is coming in in many, many different ways. But the wealth of the Gentiles is also, remember the Gentiles, those that don't know God, the wealth of the Gentiles is also going to be in a parallel way released to the church. That's you and I, the body of Christ. And there's many examples throughout scripture concerning the wealth transfer from the Gentiles, the unsaved to the righteous for the primary purpose of preaching the gospel all around the world. Praise God. So, Let's look more at the word wealth. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The word wealth in the, in the Hebrew is the exact same word as force. And there are other uh, verses in the Bible where uh, the translation, instead of saying wealth, would say force. But I think it's very important that you have a basic understanding that in the Hebrew language, the word wealth also means force. And think about it just for a moment because wealth is a force uh, that can be played out for either good or evil. Wealth, in a sense, is neutral, but it, 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 uh, its usage is displayed when it comes to the hands of the person. So if the person is corrupt... <laughs> <laughs> if the, the person is willing to break laws, if the person is willing to do anything to get it, then uh, that wealth now can be used as a force for evil. It could be used as a force uh, of manipulation. It could be dangled like a carrot in front of a, a horse and uh, uh, that, as an allurement or an enticement to do something wrong or a force for wrong. But it also can be used, uh, be used as a force for good. And that's what we want to use wealth for, as a force for good. But remember, it is a force. And if you take wealth away from a, from a minister, if you take wealth away from a ministry, what do you lose? Well, you lose empowerment. You lose ability. You don't have the force. Oh, I mean, if we reduce it all down and get rid of cameras and get rid of... Uh, you know, television contracts and get rid of uh, satellites and global networks and stuff like that. I mean, I guess we could run the whole thing off of a cell phone, right? But is that the way we should be at the very bottom of the bottom where the only way or the only force we have is to use a cell phone? Because look, even if, if you're reduced to that lowest common denominator of, quote, getting the gospel out and all you're using is a phone, well, your phone's at least got to have 
uh, smartphone capability. You can't use an old dinosaur phone. They can't do that. Your phone has to have internet. And, uh, you know, uh, you're going to have to pay for the internet or sit in a coffee house all day that has it for free. But if it's for free, it's probably really slow speed. Now you can't upload the way you want to, to your social media platforms and on and on it goes. So, uh, it's a big planet. And if we're going to see a billion plus people, uh, that the church through the preaching of the gospel brings in through the harvest nets, uh, we're going to need a lot more than a smartphone. I know that you would agree with that. <laughs> we're going to need every uh, every tool available through technology. Uh, even some old technology is still good. Even shortwave radio and uh, all, all those types of things still reach many uh, parts of the world where they don't have uh, satellite or internet or things like that. And I know, you know, a lot of these billionaires are putting up these satellites in space and the plan is to beam down the internet all over the world. Uh, but you know, I heard that one of the biggest companies, uh, that's doing that could be facing bankruptcy if some things don't turn around and who knows, they could now have hundreds of satellites up in space that are abandoned because they don't work anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> cause uh, nobody had the power to switch them on. They, they lost their force, their wealth, the money to run it, but we'll let all those guys figure all that out. But the main thing that is we need to avail ourselves to these technologies and it, it takes money. It takes uh, not just a little bit. It takes large and larger amounts of money to have what? A greater and greater impact. So if you want a more forceful impact, you need more wealth. Praise God. So keep that in mind that the word wealth in the Hebrew is the same word as force. Now, here's what's fascinating. And here's something uh, for those of us that aren't uh, fluent in ancient Hebrew, which, uh, you know, very few people have that, uh, that blessed understanding, even modern day Israelis that, that speak Hebrew, that that's a modern Hebrew, you know, so it's, it's not like it's a uh, biblical Hebrew, but the root word for wealth in the Hebrew is fascinating because the word wealth in the Hebrew is built from a previous word that that gives it its meaning, but it stands on top of the root word. And the root word in Hebrew for wealth means to twist, whirl, spin. It means to dance in a spin. And that's the word chul, uh, which probably is pronounced cool, uh, K-H-O-O-L. But it's the Hebrew word chul, and it means to dance and spin. And you think, well, what in the world is the connection between wealth, the force of wealth, and, you know, dancing and spinning around? Wow. I want to talk today about the subject of dance it in. Dance it in. Because a lot of people don't realize in the church that if you get into the anointing of the dance, and one of the best ways to prime that pump is uh, to praise the Lord with singing. Okay, and if you if you'll do that, you can get hit with that dance anointing because you've primed the pump the pump of praise, and now that that dance anointing can come on you, and you can dance miracles in, you can dance provision in. You know, um, I was watching a video uh, earlier today of uh, Mom and Pop Goodwin. Uh, out of all the churches. Kenneth E. Hagan ministered in, and uh, he ministered all, all over the country, and he was known around the world, but he said out of all the churches that he went in and ministered at, he said the, the one that had the most order 
and the one that had the highest level of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit was mom and pop, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, mom and dad Goodwin's church. And Brother Hagin said he always loved going there because there was such a wide open ability to operate and flow in the Holy Spirit. Yes, to preach the word, but once the message is delivered, then signs, wonders, miracles, what we would call the gifts of the Spirit would be very, very fluent in the church. And a lot of that had to do with the the powerful prayer life of Mr. and Mrs. Goodwin. And what some people don't know is that um, when the ministry, the church needed extra money, or if there was a uh, financial pressure that the enemy would try to bring against the church, uh, Pastor Goodwin would go back behind the barn with nobody to watch him. He'd go back, go home and go behind the barn and he would dance the money in. Mm-mm-mm. He would dance the money in. When's the last time you heard that? Amen. And <laughs> like what, perhaps what we would call one of our modern churches. Amen. With all of our high tech and all of our stuff. And yet you got an old Pentecostal preacher. He's dancing money in. He's dancing it in. Why? There's a force. There's a, there's a power uh, that builds, that is a platform for wealth. And beneath the platform, there's whirling and spinning and literal dancing. You know, by the way, Kenneth Hagin also mentioned another old Pentecostal pastor one time that um, he'd minister in his church. And he had seen that pastor preach also. And he said, oftentimes when that uh, pastor would give the altar call or invite people to come and receive Christ, uh, he would make a a simple, you know, evangelistic appeal. And then he would start dancing in the spirit on the platform. And Brother Hagin said, you know, watching this guy dance, he said, I don't know. He said he thought within himself, I don't know who's going to respond to this. This is very unorthodox, the dancing evangelistic, you know, pastor. But he said he'd start dancing, dancing in the spirit, and people would come forward and give their lives to God. And Brother Hagin said he watched one time as that pastor danced on the platform, and the mayor came forward and got saved in one of the churches. Now, you would think, oh, Pastor Stephen, we have to be very dignified, especially if we want uh, mayors and politicians and people like that to get saved. We, we have to really strip out anything that could have any type or resemblance, resemblance of what could be labeled as Pentecostal. But Brother Hagin said he danced all kinds of people to the altar. And the more that he danced and would dance in the spirit, he led all kinds of people from all spectrums of life and all, uh, uh, you know, the, the spectrums of the different career fields. They'd all come. Woo, praise God. Amen. So I think a lot of these things that maybe we could call it old time Pentecostal have been lost to the modern church, at least per se with the Western church, because... Um, uh, there's been a lot of substitution with uh, all the bells and whistles and all the smoke machines and all of the cool stuff that we can do. But while all of that stuff, there can be a place for you know different things with good lights and nice sound equipment. And uh, you know nobody wants to listen to bad uh, bad sound that hurts your ears. So it's it's nice to have a you know real clean uh, audio system and things like that. But um, there there are some things you can't. Uh, you can't make happen, though, unless it's in the Spirit. And one of those things about dancing that we need to understand is that 
You can get in the spirit and get in the anointing and you can start dancing and you can dance into a place where spiritually God begins to affect wealth. And that is why the root word for wealth in the Hebrew, the root word that builds up the word wealth, it literally means to dance. It means to spin around and whirl in a dance. Woo, praise God. Get your dancing shoes on. Amen. <laughs> Maybe that's your tennis shoes. Amen. But get ready. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit more about this by going to the gospel of Luke chapter 10. Mm -mm. Now think about that as we're going to Luke 10. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Okay, so that's referring to the restoration of Israel, but there's always a parallel connection with the church. And I believe that we are coming into the year that has been prophesied for decades and even longer that we would eventually come into this place where the wealth of the sinner begins to come to the righteous. And there are sinners that are very evil, wicked people. They have acquired wealth through very uh, dubious means. And when I say evil, um, there is a place where there are some things that are so horrific that you don't really want to know about it. And the only one that, uh, that can really grasp it is God. Jesus knows how bad evil really is. There are, there are elements of evil that are so bad that if you actually knew what some people were doing, you might faint. It is that corrupt. It is that bad. Uh, some of the things that individuals do, some of the things that even governments have done, whether in the name of science or whatever, that is pure wickedness and evil. And you think, how in the world can somebody even do something like that? It's because they have no conscience. They're very, very evil. And sometimes, if not oftentimes, they also have acquired a lot of money to do these things. In some cases, billions and billions of dollars. So uh, don't feel bad for those that are very wicked and evil people who uh, the Lord is going to shake that money loose from them so that the, the church can be empowered with a force. That's what wealth is, a force to effect a change to see a great harvest of souls. Now, some of these people are going to get saved. They are going to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit um, but there'll be others that are not going to give it up for anything. And uh, for those types of cases, God's going to shake it loose anyhow, and they'll not be able to stop it. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So you want to be aware of this, of wealth and the force of wealth and its connection to dancing in the Spirit. Now look at this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 21. The Lord Jesus has uh, he's heard a good report. Good things are going on. Uh, as a matter of fact, we can see that in verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that really is what it's all about. You're saved. You're born again. Everything else, you know, is icing on the cake. <laughs> you got your life right with God. Amen. And so it says in verse 21, in that hour, and I, I believe uh, more of these type of reports were coming in as those that he had sent out. Now they're coming back and they're sharing the amazing testimonies and uh, all the good things. So it says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. Now you might want to underline the word rejoice. I want to talk about that. It says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. 
he rejoiced in the spirit. And that word in the the Greek, remember we have we have words for joy in the Hebrew. We also have words for joy in the New Testament, which is the Greek. And here in the Greek, this word rejoiced means to jump up for joy. Not not just to stand up and oh that's that's really nice good job fellows good job uh, I'll I'll give you a year in bonus <laughs> you know hey I'm gonna buy your lunch good job no this means he jumped up and he's just rejoicing in the spirit that's a gigantic difference between rejoicing in the spirit and rejoicing at a football game between rejoicing because somebody made the last the last second, uh, uh, you know, basket in the basketball game, right when the buzzer was going off, the shot left his hand, or right before, okay, and he sinks the shot, and everybody uh, jumps up. That's rejoicing in the flesh. Uh, I have to say this because there's a lot of young Christians that have no clue of the difference between rejoicing in the spirit and rejoicing in the flesh. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. That's something we need to be aware of. But he jumped up for joy. He just jumped up. This is not an excitement. This is not some type of a, uh, you know, a fleshly zeal. Good job. We just, I just heard that we just won the game. No, this is, this is in the spirit. This is things pertaining and relating to the eternal kingdom of God. So this jumping for joy, um, is something that the Lord Jesus did. And you have to understand that he would, uh, he would certainly know Hebrew. Uh, and, you know, while Aramaic was widely spoken, it's not like the Jews forgot their native language. <laughs> he was well-versed with uh, the Hebrew meaning of the word rejoice as well. And so let's talk about that a little bit. So we see him, though, rejoice in the Spirit. And don't just skim over that like that's so all. He got all, he got happy and it was like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, boys, let's take a picture of this. This is good. No, this is a uh, tremendous release of joy that it would be almost impossible to have the fullness of it without jumping and spinning. Mm-hmm. Woo, very, very powerful things we're looking at here today. Uh, let's go to the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, and uh, let's dig into verse 17 uh, and look below the surface. When we uh, look at these things in our English Bible, uh, we do thank God for other translations that have the time to expand upon these verses so that we can see more fully of what it is meant here. We can't amplify out every verse or expand every verse to its full meaning uh, or it's going gonna, it's gonna to get too thick and you're going to get all bogged down. But we can verse by verse look at the full uh, texture of the text and be blessed by that. Verse 17, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. There's that phrase. He will rejoice over you. How? With gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. So what does it mean in the Hebrew for the Lord to rejoice over you? Does that just mean, he says, oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Does Jesus say, Father, I I just love all of my brothers and sisters. I'm so glad they're saved. What does it mean? It means uh, something deeper. In the Hebrew, the word rejoice uh, is the word gayal, and it means to spin around in a circle. It means to dance, skip, leap, and spin around. 
Now, I know some of you, you may have a little bit of a uh, theological challenge within your mind to actually see Jesus dancing, skipping, leaping, spinning around because of his love for you. And that could be because of maybe uh, rose-colored glasses. Uh, you know, rose co- if your glasses are rose-colored, it's going to tint your view, and you're going to see things in a color or in a way that perhaps wouldn't be accurate. And so religion can do a lot of that. And Jesus, you know, he certainly talked to the Pharisees about that, you know, because he said, he said, all of these commandments of men have made the word of God and the power of God of no avail to you. You've, you've so messed this up with all of your religious, um, you know, baloney that uh, there's no power of God, and it has diluted the Word's ability to work in a person's life. And that's what religion can do. It can, uh, uh, it can just be like um, buildings with stained glass and, uh, you know, maybe a minister standing up there uh, doing an expository message, and you think, okay, I, I checked my card, I put my time in, I hope God's happy with me, and I hope He lets me go to heaven. Well, that's that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a living relationship with the living God where we know God, yes, as, a, uh, as the great sovereign, the great potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords, but also as a friend, also as a redeemer, Christ as also as our elder brother. Hallelujah. You know, I've had visions from Jesus before when I've been uh, blessed to see him face to face in visions. And uh, it's not like he said, get on your knees or I'm going to hit you over the head with my scepter. <laughs> well, I saw him, he didn't even have a scepter. I mean, he didn't even have a crown on his head. And I, I still know he's the king of kings. I still know that, yes, this is the person that is the head of the entire church, uh, earthly and heavenly, uh, one church. I'm like, wow. But, you know, he's appeared to me as, as a friend, and I, I have seen the glory, uh, you know, kind of uh, dialed up. But I also know him as friend, and that's the way that he wants you to be able to relate to him, that he loves you so much that there, that he dances over you. So when we saw Luke chapter 10, verse 21, you can't act like, well, he doesn't know what this is. I mean, he is the word. He is the one that inspired Zephaniah with holy inspiration to write this verse. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will rejoice over you with singing. That rejoicing includes dancing with whirling and spinning and singing over you. Well, Pastor Stephen, when Jesus stood up in Luke chapter 10 and heard the good reports, he rejoiced and uh, he, uh, he gave them all a free uh, pizza uh, for lunch that day. No, uh, the, the Hebrew means to spin and, and to uh, dance. Woo, praise God. And that's the fullness of what we're looking at right here. And don't forget that these are the words. These are the words that are building the word wealth. I'm here to tell you today that you can dance in wealth by faith. Hallelujah. Praising God. You can dance in the wealth of the wicked. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. And have a heart for the kingdom and say, Lord, send it over here. Hallelujah. Send it over here. All the laundered money. Hallelujah. I'll pay the taxes on it and pay the tithe on it. Send it over here. <laughs> Amen. We'll do everything right. We'll do it by the book. Praise God. But there's, there's trillions and trillions of dollars of what we could call dirty money. And it, it, it is. It's, it's, it is dirty. It has been obtained in ways that are an abomination 
in the sight of God. And a lot of it is hidden. A lot of it literally is what we would call blood money. People have lost their lives over it. You know, I was talking to a a very successful evangelist who had gotten saved, and uh, he still shares his testimony all around the world, uh, but they still call him the hitman. And, you know, it kind of maybe of like a, a funny title, but I, I guess in some ways it's not because that's what he used to do. He was a hired assassin. He, he was trained by the military to be a professional sniper. He got out of the military, didn't know God, and uh, had, had needs and uh, bills that he had to pay and some uh, not-so-good bills that he got himself tangled up in that he had to pay. And so he began to work for the mafia as a hitman, and the mafia would pay him a certain amount of money uh, to take out those that were frustrating or irritating them. I remember talking to him one time, and uh, I don't know how we got on the subject of... Uh, you know, hiking and exploring and stuff like that. He said, um, Stephen, he said, do me a favor. He said, when you take your hikes, he said, don't ever hike in uh, that part of the desert. I said, why? I said, that's, that's where you get away from all the people. And it gets real pretty, real, real beautiful. He said, I know. He said, there's not a lot of people out there. And we've buried a lot of people out there. And a lot of things happen at night that you would never want to know about. I said, okay, I think I'll, uh, I'll uh, just mark that off my map for any future hiking experiences. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. So uh, th- there's a lot of awful, awful things out there. And so these are people, trust me, that when God starts stripping them of their money and he starts causing it to flow into the hands of the righteous, trust me, these are people that you do not need to shed a single tear about. These these are these are really bad people that doing things that are so bad they cannot even be mentioned over the air. Praise God. So let's believe the Lord to do his thing because he's dancing and he loves us so much. So he is, he is the Lord of the dance. But I want you to understand something very important. I want to go back to it. Uh, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And let's go back to verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. So we know that that word rejoice, here we have the English word rejoice, which means to jump up and spin. But we know also the Hebrew word for joy means to dance, skip, leap, spin around. So you bring it all together. Um, Jesus knows how to uh, dance. It says, in the Spirit. You know, uh, have you ever heard somebody give a tongue, uh, like a public tongue, and then somebody tries to give the interpretation? Uh, If either one is done in the flesh, it's... uh, it's a real humdinger. I uh, I was in a meeting when I was. It's actually my meeting uh, at a conference I was hosting, and um, a lady that uh, bless her heart, she always tried to act spiritual and uh, wasn't didn't really have it. You know, it, it, it'd be kind of like the skinny bodybuilder who's talking about how much he works out all the time. And I guess you would think, well, if you were in the gym all the time, uh, uh, I don't know what's going on because you ain't got no muscles. That person was kind of like that, always t- talking about how how spiritual she was. But uh, uh, you, you know, uh, you, you couldn't you couldn't like tell any uh, any gravity to that. Let, let me just say this: uh, sports or whatever, um, there is no pill that's going to get this done for you. Uh, if it's sports, you're going to have to get into the, the room and do the workouts and, and do all of that stuff. It's the same thing in your walk with the Lord. There's no pill that you can take that makes you become a spiritual giant. 
Uh, it, it doesn't work like that. You have to literally pray. You have to walk with God. You have to spend time in the Word. And as you do that, it develops something in you of a God quality that uh, it carries a strength with you. Well, I, anyhow, I was doing my conference and uh, got towards the end after I'd preached. There was a, and there was a slight lull. And she, because uh, I was fixing to get ready to minister people, she just stands up and blurts out real loud this utterance in tongues. And it had no anointing on it at all. It was all in the flesh. And um, so, you know, you got all these people here and I'm standing there. It's my meeting. And she's just done that. And she, and she stands up and does that and then sits down. <laughs> well, nobody's going to give the interpretation because you can't interpret something that didn't originate from God. It's kind of like going up on a chalkboard and just, you know, taking a piece of chalk and just scribbling a bunch of chicken scratch. You, you can't read that because that's not a language. Well, I can't interpret something that's not a genuine tongue. What did I do? The Holy Spirit gave me a prophetic utterance. And without humiliating her, I just gave the, I, I gave the prophetic utterance. And some people thought that was an interpretation. Everybody got all happy, but it wasn't an interpretation. It was an utterance to cover her and not humiliate her. And also just to keep the meeting going in the right direction. Praise the Lord. You know, it was later on. I was in a small meeting. There was a missionary from China. He was speaking. And uh, here's the same lady. She was in that meeting too. She was trying to act all spiritual. And she, she went up to him. She said, oh, I got, my I got my Chinese tongues. I got my Chinese tongues. And he said, listen, sister, uh, if you want to go to China and minister, I can have a plane ticket for you in 10 minutes. And she got, she got shocked. So he said, don't, don't come up telling me you've got your Chinese tongues and acting like you're all the missionary if you're not ready to go. Because if you're ready to go, well, I, can get you, I can get you a ticket in 10 minutes and have you over there in just a couple of days. And boy, boy, she cooled off like a wet hen. Woo, it was over with. <laughs> she decided to stop all that stuff. And I think she kind of grew out of that. Uh, she was actually um, in what maybe what we would call her elderly years. But I think she even, she grew out of that and haven't seen her for a long time. I think she moved out of the area, praise God. But anyhow, uh, the dancing, uh, you might think, well, Pastor Stephen, I don't want to dance in the flesh. I'd rather dance. I want to, well, I want to dance in the spirit. I'd say probably the best way to learn the true dance is to do it in private. And, um, you can't, uh, let, let's take church meetings where you maybe have uh, a lot of churches are really into choreographed dancing. Let me say this. You cannot choreograph a dance and do that in the spirit. Why? It's choreographed. You can no more teach dancing choreographed in the spirit than I can teach you uh, the syllables to say to speak in tongues. No, when I get people filled with the Holy Spirit uh, and I lead them into the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I simply, I simply express to them what happened to me. When I first started speaking in tongues, it started coming out like da, 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 la, la, la. But I'm not telling them to say the same thing. I'm just telling them to open their mouth and speak. And whatever comes out, because the Holy Spirit will give you that utterance, whatever comes out, just speak that out. Even if it seems real simple or even real silly, like it did for me, da, 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 la, la, da, da, then it started to roll. But you can't, you can't choreograph tongues. Oh, you have to say these types of syllables. You have to do it this way. Can you believe somebody um, 
actually took one of my videos and put it on when I, you know, I, I guess in one of my videos, I just, I broke off and spoke in tongues for about 30 seconds. Okay. So somebody took my video and put it in slow motion. And this lady was trying to memorize the utterances or the syllables I was making when speaking in tongues, because she thinks if I can copy that, I'm, I'm now speaking in tongues. I'm like, that's not tongues. That, that is just, it, it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, so you see what I'm saying? You can't, you can't do tongues uh, in a way where it's choreographed or it's planned out. You just won't go for it. And what comes out, what comes out, and that's speaking in tongues. Okay, so it's the same way with, with, with dancing. Yeah, you can choreograph a dance if you want to. That, that's choreographed dancing. That's not dancing in the spirit. Pastor Stephen, we're going to do a, we're going to do a square dance now. And uh, we're going to do two steps forward, one step back, and then one to the side, and one to the right, and one to the left, and back. And we're going to do a good old country hoedown. That's dancing in the spirit. No, that's not dancing in the spirit. That's dancing. But it's not in the spirit. Well, how do I learn? I would say do it like this. Don't use any music. You don't need music to dance in the spirit. Now, you can, if you have it, that, that's great. But here's what's going on in most churches. People are dancing to the beat. Okay. And I'm not being critical. That's, that's, that, that's, they're kind of moving to the beat. And if they really like the beat, maybe they start moving their feet a little bit or stuff like that. But that still doesn't mean that's dancing in the spirit. Wow, praise God. So I would say just on your own, within your time with the Lord, uh, just worship the Lord. And remember, uh, singing primes the pump for the dancing. Okay, just sing a little bit and your feet start moving. Praise God, arms start moving. And don't, don't think you got, you have to like, this can be hard for people that have had dance lessons. <laughs> it is very difficult for performers to get in the spirit. Why? They have been trained to perform. Ah, that's it. Uh, but see, uh, we're talking about not performing. We're talking about worship in the spirit. Mm, wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, this can be something that some ministers don't understand. I went on a television uh, show uh, sometime back, and the host said, Ooh, our next guest is really pumped up. And I, so then, then the camera pans over to me. He says, Stephen, we're glad you're here. He said, you're pumped up, aren't you? I said, praise God. I love the Lord. He said, I know you're excited. He's pumped up tonight. Well, I'm not pumped up. In other words, I'm not about to get in the wrestling arena. It's not like this is, we're, we're not dealing with factors of testosterone. Stephen Brooks is pumped up. Uh, he did a bunch of push-ups before the show. No, I, I prayed. So he was sensing that anointing, but he's calling it pumped up as if we're going to a football game or something like that. You know, no, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. See, there's a gigantic difference between the anointing, doing things in the spirit, and just doing something in the flesh. Now, in your, in your dancing, you might, you maybe, you know, maybe you'd have your morning coffee, or maybe you didn't, you know, maybe you're a little tired. But if you just start worshiping and praising the Lord, things start wanting to move, and you start wanting to lift your hands. Praise God. So we know that scripture, lift up holy hands. Amen. And just begin to dance. Praise the Lord. Start moving into that and understand that dancing is an undercurrent of releasing wealth. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew word for wealth is built on the, on the root word to dance and whirl around and spin. Now, here's what some Christians do. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't know what to do. What, what, do I, what foot do I put in front of the other? You don't even think about that. No more than when you're speaking in tongues, do you think, are you thinking about what syllable is going to come out next? 
In other words, here, here's speaking in tongues. That's for my own edification. Okay, so I can speak that. But I'm not thinking about what's coming out next because I'm not trying to plan this. I'm just, I'm just worshiping God in the spirit. Praise the Lord. And so you just let it go. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Amen. Dance all around. Dance all around. And because you know it includes spinning or whirling, as you also see uh, with Jesus here, to rejoice, we know in the Greek that also means jump up, <laughs> right? Pastor Steve, I'm going to praise God in the Spirit. I'm going to dance in the Spirit sitting down. No. <laughs> you can at least work with the scriptural uh, unveiling of what these words mean and just take that and start worshiping the Lord. And, you know, as a new covenant believer, just start getting into the Spirit and just see what comes out and go with it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory to the Lord. I think in some of these ways, many of God's people are still learning uh, the difference between just doing it and uh, moving over into the Spirit. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, this is very important in worship. You have to worship God in spirit and in truth. We can make a bunch of noise and do a bunch of movements. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a service before? When after the praise and worship was concluded, you felt like you had just been to an aerobics class. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying sometimes we didn't get in the spirit, but we sure had a good workout. And I've had meetings like that where I've gone to churches, and um, this was when I was a lot younger, and I didn't know the difference between the anointing and how to get into that. So a lot of the stuff was done in the flesh, and by the time it was done, whew, we're wore out. I mean, everybody's tired and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that, that if you're in the spirit, you won't, you won't feel, you know, hey, I've definitely moved some muscles around and things like that. But I am saying there is a, there's a difference. We have to know that anointing. I was getting ready to minister one time when I was ministering out in California, uh, and I'd preached the message. Now I'm ready to minister to the people one-on-one as the Holy Spirit is working through me. And I knew the healing anointing came. It came all over me. Now, the Holy Spirit not only came on me, but I knew he came upon me with the healing anointing. And when that's on me, I'm not praying a prayer of faith. I'm ministering in the anointing. And of course, uh, if a person can receive that anointing, we're going to have really, really good results. And so right when I was about ready to start ministering that healing anointing. And my pastor friend was playing the keyboard, beautiful, uh, like synthesizer type keyboard chords, uh, worship chords. And that anointing was ready to roll and I'm ready to minister. And right when that happened, um, we were in a rented area. He, uh, the pastor had rented a, um, kind of like an outdoor area well, next door in another department over, uh, there was a band and they began to play their worldly music and they just happened to start up right when I got to that point. And I could, I could sense the Holy Spirit wanting to leave. Why? He did not like that music. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, that's, that's, um, that's not very nice of God not to like their music. Well, he didn't like it. Didn't like it one bit. And the more that bass uh, guitars just started going, the guy on the bass was like, and uh, the drums going. And I tried to hold that anointing because why am I trying to hold it? Because if the anointing lifts, 
it's, it's Stephen Brooks standing here. Now, the anointing to preach was there, and I can preach through a lot. I, you know, babies crying or whatever and stuff like that. Although there's a point even with that, if that starts to irritate the Holy Spirit, uh, you could have a distraction kill the whole service. And if that happens, uh, people that need miracles, it ain't happening. It's not going to happen. So it's the anointing that removes burdens and breaks yokes, not just good preaching, okay? Not just good messages, although we need that, but we're still going to need the Spirit to manifest the Word. Anyhow, I tried to hold that anointing as long as I could, but when the bass drum, uh, excuse me, bass guitar, uh, uh, the electric bass guitar kicked in more and more, the Holy Spirit lifted off of me, and it was just like a bird. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a bird. He doesn't have wings, but... That was made clear to my understanding that he just, he lifted off of me. It's like he just flew like a bird, although he's not a bird, but he's like a bird and just came off of me and left. He completely left the meeting. Well, in times like that, I know what to do. You know, you have your ministry training, and so you fall back to uh, methods that are still effective and still valid because they're scriptural. So now I can pray the prayer of faith with people but I can't minister in the anointing to them because the, the, the anointing completely lifted. These are things that we need to know. These are things we have to work with because you, you don't want to be going around dancing. Oh, Pastor Steve, I'm going to dance in the spirit. I'm going to put some 1980s Michael Jackson on. You'll not have one lick of anointing. Well, I like that beat. Well, th- th- that's nice, but the Holy Spirit is not going to honor any of that. You know, none of that's glorifying Jesus. <laughs> well, I, I like the thriller song. Maybe God will get into that. Well, your your flesh might get into that. You might like the driving beat of that, and you maybe like the harmonies of that. Well, not God's not going to touch that with a ten foot pole. Mm-mm. So I'm talking about dancing in the spirit. So I would suggest if you're trying to catch that anointing for that, uh, that one of the easiest ways to begin to learn it and get into it is don't do it with any music. Mm-mm. Some of you are probably wondering how did the how did six thousand years of humanity survive without a without a cork synthesizer? Well, somehow they did. How has the church survived for two thousand years, nineteen hundred of those, where we didn't have a Hammond B three organ? I don't know. Somehow they did. Pastor Stephen, how has the church survived without a pearl drum set? I don't know, but somehow the church did. And the old-time Pentecostals will tell you they didn't need any of that stuff. And if you study the history of the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s, when God had his hand up on William Seymour, uh, they would have musicians. Some of them were actual professional musicians that had gotten born again, and they were saved. And they would all say that when the anointing came, they could play way beyond any skill level they had ever been trained to play in professional orchestras. One of the uh, people on the worship team was a violin player who played professionally. It was, you know, when you're doing it professional, you're getting paid for it, so you must be pretty good. And he belonged to a certain orchestra there in LA. But he said when, uh, and he would still play, you know, uh, just, you know, for church services and stuff. But he said, well, that anointing came in. He said, all of us, all of us could play on levels that were just beyond anything we had ever trained for or had ever could ever duplicate. We could never duplicate it or touch it in a secular environment. Mm-mm. Wow. Now, this will help some of you. When you watch these secular TV shows, American Idol or whatever it might be, I think that's all done with. That's you know going back some years. But the same principle, when you see those type of shows, they bring a, they bring a singer on. 
and the singer is going to sing a Christian song. And everybody thinks this is so wonderful. If you're sensitive to the Spirit, so often you can tell there's no anointing on that. There's no anointing. Wrong atmosphere. Wrong. You got. You got. You got people over there backing you up on the guitar or keyboard that are that are you know total fornicators and stuff like that. And you've got. You know, it is all performance based. And uh, you get in the spirit for a second, you realize there's no anointing on that. So that's what you want to learn. You want to get in the spirit. And I'm talking today about the dance. Because you dance in the spirit and worship the Lord, you can dance money in. You can dance all kinds of miracles in as you praise and worship the Lord. Why? There's a force. (laughs) The other word for wealth in Hebrew is force. And the word is built on the subword, the root word, which means to dance and spin around. So I'm telling you that when you dance in the spirit, there could be forces, spiritual forces released that can even cause wealth to come in. Praise God. And this year that we're stepping into is a year of the wealth of the wicked is going to begin in a mighty, mighty way to be uh, released to the righteous. Prepare your hearts for it. You know how to bring it in. There's di- there's different keys, but today I'm talking about a, a key that in many ways is not used very, very often. I would invite you to take it and begin to have fun with it. Amen. Because God is the true originator of dance. We've seen so many forms of corruption. Uh, even as, you know, Herod brought the young lady in, she's dancing, she's doing all this vulgar dancing, trying to please her mom, get John the Baptist hit on the platter. And uh, that type of dancing that she was doing was very crude, coarse, Base dance dancing to get him in the flesh so that he'll say, oh, well, I really worked up. Uh, what do you want? I'll give it to you. Yeah, he's just all worked up in lust and stuff like that. And it's not like she's dancing with a robe on. She's got a little bitty uh, skimpy clothes on of hardly anything. And this is just crude based stuff. So uh, if the church wants to play with that mixture, uh, you're not going to see the power of God. So it is good if we if there's a corporate anointing or collective anointing in the church and that that's flowing, hey, jump in, have fun. But you know what? You could still always do it on your own, praise the Lord. And if you learn it on your own, um, you'll have you'll have that real thing. I came into understanding of tongues and interpretation of tongues by interpreting my own tongues. And that way I feel very confident because I have developed myself in that area that if somebody gives a public tongue that needs interpretation and they don't have the gift of interpretation, well, I have confidence the Lord will work through me on that because that's something I've developed myself in. Praise God. All right, so let's explore these areas more in our own lives of the dance. And I want you to be open to the scriptures to dance in the miracle that you need. How about this? Dance in the wealth of the wicked. Hallelujah. Into your life. For the glory of the Lord. Remember, wealth has a purpose, the establishing of the covenant. And we want to see the Lord glorified and people come into salvation, which is a covenant, come into a salvation experience. It's going to take a lot of money to do that on a uh, worldwide harvest level. But that's what we're doing. Good ministers, uh, myself and others all over the world, we're doing all we can to facilitate these remaining uh, moments that we have to bring in the harvest. So praise God. Amen. That's why we need to be blessed so that we can be empowered with, with wealth to be a force, a force for spreading the gospel. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching today that they have their times with you, 
Mm. I hear the expression, the, the song, dance the night away. <laughs> and, and Father, there's probably some that are watching that have danced the night away, but it was the wrong kind of dancing. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for dancing in the spirit. And when that anointing lifts, then we, we don't have to dance anymore because there's no need to do it in the flesh. But we thank you for the anointing to dance in the spirit. Let that come upon your people, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As they step out and obey that leading, we give you praise. Thank you, Father. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're watching today's message and you don't know Jesus Christ as Messiah, Savior of the world, then today you can get your life right with God. Today is the day of salvation. While the anointing is here and God's touching your heart, respond today. You always want to move with the anointing. Praise God. If you'd like to get your life right with God, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, you died on the cross to save sinners like me. Jesus, you paid the penalty for all of my sins. And right now, I give my heart to you. Come into my life. Wash all of my sins away. Give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me now. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> what are the angels doing right now? They are rejoicing over you for having given your heart to the Lord. Oh, Pastor Stephen, the angels are doing this, huh? <laughs> Clapping is neither praise or worship. Clapping is just uh, it's, it's an acknowledgement that you're, you're pleased about something or happy about something. You, you can clap. You can clap for your sports team, but it's not praise and worship. Okay. So the angels right now are rejoicing, jumping up and down, spinning around, praising God, hands uplifted because you've given your life to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. We're learning these things as we go, aren't we? Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's take Holy Communion together today. Grab some unleavened bread. I've got my little wafer down here and some grape juice, which is right here. You can get these online, almost any Christian bookstore in America or around the world. Praise God. Good old Amazon or wherever you want to go to. Hallelujah. And that way you can also take these with you when you travel. Uh, Kelly and I, when we go to hotels or whatever travel, we always take communion with us. Okay, so let's pray over the communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it and set it apart as holy. We thank you this is the flesh and blood of Jesus, and we receive it as such. Now, Father, as we receive the flesh of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. We're ready to jump for joy. We thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Jesus, the word that became flesh. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, if Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. We're going to rejoice in the spirit. Father, we're going to be imitators of you as dear children. And now we receive the flesh of Christ. and We give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Let's protect together. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. I'm so glad that we have a Jehovah Jireh in our lives. That's one of the eight primary compound names of God. 
And that means the, the God who will see to it that your every need is met. Mm-mm. Some people simplify it and say it means the Lord who is my provider. That's true if you want to look at it from the very simple uh, interpretation. That's very much true. God is your provider. Mm-mm. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. And Father, as we receive his blood, we thank you for its mighty cleansing power, washing all of our sin away. We confess all sin. We ask that you would lead us away from evil, deliver us, lead us away from temptation, deliver us from the evil one. Keep us and preserve us, O God, in you and in obedience to your commandments. We thank you, Father. We delight in your word. We delight in your commandments. And we celebrate the blood of Christ. We proclaim his death until he comes, and he's coming back again. We give you praise. We thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, as I leave you for today, my friends, you know what to do. Praise the Lord in the Spirit. Worship the Lord in the Spirit. Rejoice like Jesus did in the Spirit. Jump up. Hallelujah. Spin around, twirl, and dance. And as you do, believe God for financial miracles and believe God for the wealth of the wicked to be transferred to you for righteous purposes to further the gospel. Hallelujah. And watch what God will do. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Thank you.